In a span of less than two minutes, the number three and number five ranked teams fell on Wednesday evening, 24 hours after losses from both number one and number two. What in the heck is going on? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national hoop show out there, part of course of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton. I want to thank all of you everyday listeners out there uh, for being with us here as we get through an incredible, exciting week of college basketball. So a reminder to join us on our Discord channel where we were chatting about Wednesday night's incredible slate of games. It is free to join. There is a link in the show notes. Today's episode of Lockdown College Basketball is brought to you by GameTime. Folks, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. It feels like March already. An incredible, incredible slate of games on Tuesday and Wednesday. College football season ended on Monday evening, and already college basketball said, it is our turn. We are taking over, and for today's show, we are breaking all of the incredible action down on Wednesday, starting with a loss for Kansas, the number three ranked team. Again, as a reminder, Purdue, the number one ranked team in the country, lost on Tuesday night to Rutgers, excuse me, to Nebraska. Meanwhile, the number two ranked team, Houston, lost at Iowa State. Now number three, Kansas falls to Central Florida on the road. What a first win for the Knights of Central Florida in the Big 12. Reminder, they're a new team in the conference alongside Cincinnati and BYU and Houston. And they pick up their first ever Big 12 victory by taking down the number three ranked Jayhawks of Kansas. Storm in the court, all sorts, all sorts of fun being had by the Knights there. What a what a fantastic performance. They were down 37 to 29 at halftime. They outscored the Jayhawks by 13 in the second half, erased a deficit that was as high as 16 points. And for Kansas, it continues to be an issue at the shooting guard position for Bill Self's team. Hunter Dickinson wasn't his best in this game. He only had 12 points, but he was five of nine from the field. Kevin McCullough had 16 points, six boards, and five assists. KJ Adams had 10 points and seven rebounds and two assists on five of seven shooting. Dewan Harris, not a great scoring night for him, but he had eight assists. That's kind of what you expect from your core four for Kansas, but El Marco Jackson, three assists, zero points, zero boards, two turnovers, three fouls. That was the performance from freshman El Marco Jackson. Johnny Furphy had nine points off the bench. Nick Timberlake, their other option at the two-guard spot, transferred from Towson. He had just five points on two of three shooting. This team is getting no production from their shooting guard position, and it is no longer just a, hey, this is something that might impact Kansas down the road. It is impacting them right now. Huge shout out to Jalen Sellers, massive game for him from Central Florida. He has etched his name into UCF lore, 18 points for him, had a great runaway uh, lay-in towards the end of the game that gave UCF a six-point lead, 7 of 11 for him from the field. Now, Kansas doesn't, this loss doesn't impact them as much because of Purdue's loss, because of Houston's loss, and because the number five ranked team in the country, the Volunteers of Tennessee, well, they lost as well. They lost by five. 
Mississippi State pulls off the big time upset. The Bulldogs, a team that's kind of flirted around that top 25 spot. The SEC is loaded this year. There is not an easy game at any point in that conference. And this team, Tennessee just got blitzed out of the gate here. They were down 35 22 at halftime, but then they scored 50 points in the second half. And that, I think, tells the story in so many ways about this Tennessee team. They are very good. They are very talented, but they are not very consistent. 22 first half points, 50 in the second half. The fact that this team is capable of dropping 50 in the second half, this should be a top three team in the country. This should be a final four team with their defense, with the way that Rick Barnes coaches to be able to bring in talent like Dalton Connect and have them put together an offense that's capable of dropping 50 and a half. And they're still losing. That cannot happen for this team. Uh, Tennessee, oh, they made it close. They came, they were down six. They scored four quick points, got within, uh, got it tied with 35 seconds to go. But then Tolu Smith making his first start of the season for Mississippi State. He'd been out early in the year with an injury. He scored and was fouled, gives them a three-point lead, ultimately leads to a victory. Really nice game from Smith, 23 points, four rebounds, seven, ten, seven of 10 shooting for him. Josh Herb Hubbard comes off. Off the bench for the Bulldogs has 25 points on 8 of 15 shooting. Mentioned Dalton Connect earlier. He had 25 in the second half for Tennessee. Again, they dropped 50 in the second half. 25 of them came from the Northern Colorado transfer. So we're seeing the good and the bad with Tennessee. I think the ultimate story here with all of these losses, we're in a lump in Purdue and Houston as well. The ultimate story is this. It is hard as heck to win a road game in a conference like the Big 12, like the SEC, like the Big 10. It is tough. There's a great stat. I, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, so I apologize. But Evan Miyakawa, uh, he has a fantastic website, evanmia.com. and a lot of great uh, analytics, college basketball data on there. Uh, he had a stat about the rate at which teams win on the top ranked teams win on the road, and it is decreasing. It is harder now than ever for teams to win on the road in Power Six conferences. And you, I mean, you don't need to tell me that as a stat. It is clear just watching what has happened this season, what happened last season as well. Teams are struggling in road games. Even, I mean, Central Florida, welcome to the Big 12. They pick up a massive win already. Uh, Mississippi State, again, is a team that has been in that top 25 conversation. So that's not a loss that is going to look quite as glaring necessarily for Tennessee. But Vols are a team that's expected to win the SEC. They're the favorite in that conference, or they were, I think Kentucky might have taken them over, uh, at least at this point. We'll see what happens later in this week as those two teams continue to battle out in the SEC. But tough loss for Tennessee, tough loss for Kansas. But again, those are two teams that, you know, they're probably not going to fall as far as you might expect them to fall because one the number one team lost, because the number two team lost, because some other teams in that conversation have been falling as well. It is a year where there is certainly not a definitive top team in the country. There is not a definitive top five teams in the country anymore. Isaac and I have continued to have these conversations. Where is the cutoff? Where are the these are the best teams in college basketball? And that cutoff keeps changing. Marquette was in there. They're not in there anymore. We'll talk about that momentarily. Arizona was in there. They lost to Stanford. Did they drop out? Are they back in? What do we do with, you know, Creighton's out of that conversation. UConn's in that conversation now, but for how long? What do we do with Tennessee? Like there is a lot of chaos, a lot of teams that are that are elite but not elite, that are elite in, but inconsistent like Tennessee, and it's going to make for an incredibly fun rest of the regular season, and as it always is, it's going to make for a super fun march as well.
Well, we mentioned UConn. They are the only team out of the top five in the last two days who did not take a loss on the road. They beat Xavier. We'll talk about that, but don't worry. The Big East still took themselves a bad loss with Marquette. We're going to talk about that, but first, today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. One of your New Year's resolutions should be to go check out all of the best sporting events, theater, concerts, and more around you. And thankfully, there is an app called Game Time, the fast and easy way to help you get last-minute tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater events that you want to go to. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time has exactly what you need. And you shouldn't have to worry about whether you're buying tickets to your next big event. And thankfully, GameTime has got you covered because they have deals on tickets right up till the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. So download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Terms do apply. Download the GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices. Guaranteed. Well, Isaac and Leaf talked about Purdue and Houston, the one and two ranked teams losing on Wednesday's episode. We just talked about Kansas and Tennessee, the three and five ranked teams also losing. So now we got to transition to talk about the one team that didn't lose. Danny Hurley and the Yukon Huskies survived against Xavier. And look, folks, they may not have lost this game, but there was a lot. There was everybody was rooting for Xavier. There's a lot of people who are rooting for the underdog. That's always a part of college basketball. You're a team like UConn. People want to see you lose. That's kind of the case. But everybody wanted to see the potential for a 48-hour period of time to see all five of the top five ranked teams in the country lose in that same period of time. And it was close. Sean Miller and the Musketeers, man, they nearly pulled this thing off. They went on a 9-0 run to cut a 14-point lead down to 5. It was 76-71 with just over a minute left. UConn was doing a good job of running clock down, but they had back-to-back possessions where they got down to the final seconds, missed an outside shot, weren't able to get the offensive rebound. Ultimately, Xavier was able to continue to get to the basket. Quincy Oliveri just got the ball in his hands, head down, straight to the cup, continued to get fouled. He went 10 of 12 from the free throw line and nearly single-handedly brought Xavier all the way back into this game. Ultimately, though, UConn was too good throughout the contest. They shot 11 of 24 from three. That's 45.8%. They had a balanced attack as they typically do. 19 points from Cam Spencer, 16 points, 11 assists from Tristan Newton. Alex Caravan chipped in 14. And even though Xavier out-rebounded a Donovan Klingon-less team from from UConn. They out-rebounded it by 12. 42 to 30 was the, the rebounding advantage for Xavier. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for the Musketeers to pull off the comeback. They did everything that they could. Mentioned Oliveri already, 24 points from him. Fantastic performance. But at this point, the conversation turns to this. Is UConn the number one team in the country? Because they're the only one of these teams that did not lose. Do they deserve to jump from four to one? to jump over Kansas, to jump over Houston, to jump over Purdue, all the way to the top spot. Resumes are not entirely determined by win-loss record and who you've lost to. That is a very boilerplate way to take a look at their resumes, but a quick glance at the resumes right now for these four teams. 
UConn, of course, 14 and two on the season. They have that loss at Kansas, which a head to head loss is probably going to hurt them when teams are trying to evaluate or when, when voters are trying to evaluate how they want to do their top 25. They have that loss at Kansas. They have a loss at Seton Hall. It was a 15 point loss to Seton Hall. At the time, Seton Hall not considered even remotely an NCAA tournament team. They have since picked up enough momentum that they're kind of on the bubble at least. But those are the two losses for UConn two road losses a top five team in Kansas, a quality conference opponent in Seton Hall. Purdue is also 14-2. and two. Their losses are both in Big Ten conference play, but they are not to teams that are particularly good. They had a loss at Northwestern back in December in overtime. They also have that loss at Nebraska from Tuesday. Those are the only two losses for Purdue this season. They have incredibly quality wins, hard to Still not want to have them in that top spot, but they have two losses that are arguably worse than both of UConn's losses. Meanwhile, you got Houston 14 and one on the year. They don't have as many quality wins. They got a win over Texas A&M, which is looks looks good, but not great as Texas A&M has struggled. They got a win over Xavier, which looks fine. Win over Utah, which looks okay. Their only losses at Iowa State. It's not a bad loss for Houston by any stretch. I think Iowa State's a very good team. We've talked about them a few times on this show of kind of how do we evaluate this team now? The computers love them, but now they have this big marquee win. So Houston's resume from a loss perspective is pretty good, but the win, they just don't have the quality wins yet. Maybe we'll see if they can pick some more up. They got plenty of opportunities in the Big 12 Conference. Then, of course, you have Kansas. Kansas is 13-2 and two on the year. Their losses are to Marquette, who we will talk about momentarily. And then they have that loss, of course, against Central Florida. So all four of these teams have comparable resumes. I think you can make an argument that UConn certainly moves up uh, from fourth to Second, third, maybe you can make an argument for first. I certainly wouldn't disagree with you. Obviously, most, if not all, of these teams have at least one more game this week. So that's going to change things significantly. If either if any of these four teams lose another game, that's going to change the conversation. If they don't, certainly it'll depend on the quality of the wins that they pick up. But this is a really interesting spot that we're in where four of the five top five teams all lose. What does that mean for the top five? Currently, what does it mean for a team like Kentucky, who's at sixth? What does it mean for North Carolina, who won on Wednesday night against NC State? Like, there's a lot of ins and outs, a lot of moving parts here that are going to make this really interesting to see how the AP poll and, of course, how our poll here on Locked On College Basketball shake out uh, when it comes out on Monday. Said we're going to talk about Marquette, so here we go. Marquette also takes a loss. They're 10th, a team that has been in the top five, at least in the top 10 throughout most of the season. So kind of feels like it's in that same conversation, even though they've slipped a little bit farther. They're at 10th in our locked on college basketball rankings, I should say. Butler came to town and beat them 69 to 62. And really, Butler was down by 11 at one point, but for the majority of the second half, or at least the last eight minutes or so, they were in command of this game. Really nice performance from Thad Mata's team. Uh, a big, big win for the Bulldogs over Marquette. Uh, Sean Jones, no update right now, but he suffered a, what looked like a pretty bad right leg injury for Marquette. We hope that he is okay. You never want to see that. He was unable to put any weight on his leg when he left straight to the locker room. So uh, there's a chance by the time you're listening to this, we have heard an update. But as I'm recording, uh, no update there. But, of course, we, we hope that he's doing okay. But the issue is that Shaka Smart's offense, which is his calling card, his strength, his team's strength last year, they just vanish. 
at times. I mean, and they don't just vanish for, uh, you know, a four minute stretch or even a half, like they're, they're just gone for entire games. Again, credit to Butler for, for playing a good defensive game and, and slowing down this Marquette team. But this was a pitiful offensive performance for the Golden Eagles. They shot under 33% from the field. They shot five of 32 from three. They were about 15% from the three-point line. Tyler Kolek was a mess. He was a complete mess in this game. He had eight assists, which is what you want from your point guard. He shot one of 13 from the field. He was 0 of 7 from three. Not only did he take, not only did he miss 12 shots and go 1 of 13, he only finished with two points. No trips to the free throw line or no no conversions from the free throw line. Unable to get anything going offensively. Again, had some assists, had distributed the ball in a decent way, but your starting point guard, your Big East player of the year, one of the best players in the conference, cannot score two points against anybody in this league. Maybe you beat DePaul if Tyler Kolek has two points, but you cannot expect to beat anybody else. And that's what happened here. Now that's two straight losses for Marquette in conference play. They lost to Seton Hall last week. They now are two and three in the conference and their wins over Georgetown, which, you know, you expect to beat Georgetown. Creighton is their other win. That's a fantastic win, but they only scored 57 against Providence. They only have 62 Wednesday night against Butler. This is a, a, a team that is starting to not look Nowhere close to that top five spot we had them before. Now they don't even look like a top 10 team. And we're going to start to have to wonder, is this team going to finish in the top four of the Big East, top five of the Big East? I mean, with UConn up there, Creighton's been a little up and down, certainly. Uh, St. John's beat Providence. What does that do for them? What is Villanova in this conversation? Heck, Seton Hall has moved into this conversation. Like Marquette's, Marquette's not in a good spot at this point right now. It's a great win for Butler. And here's the thing, Butler is 11-5 and five on the season and 2-3 and three in the Big East. If you're thinking, well, that doesn't sound like it's all that great, that's also Marquette's record. Marquette is also 11-5. and five. They are also 2-3 and three in the Big East. Obviously, they have some more marquee victories than Butler does. I'm not saying the resumes are comparable. I'm just saying it's been a rough year for a couple of teams in the Big East, Marquette and Creighton most notably. Uh, and you've got to start to be a little bit concerned about Shaka Smart and the Golden Eagles at this point. Touched a little bit on St. John's. I'll go through it here. This was a really fun game between two unranked teams. St. John's escaped with a narrow victory over Providence, 75-73. Devin Carter was a beast for the Friars, 31 points and 13 rebounds. He just It just wasn't enough. And it wasn't his fault that it wasn't enough. The rest of the team just did not do it for him. Josh Aduro had five points on two of eight shooting. Garway Duel played 33 minutes. We talked about him needing to step up in the absence of Bryce Hopkins, who suffered that ACL injury and is out for the year. Garway Duel, 33 minutes. He had seven points and four assists. Just not doing enough. He, his efficiency wasn't the issue. He's just not taking enough shots. He's not making an impact on Kim English's team offensively in the way that they, I think, are going to need him to do if they want to win these kind of games. Meanwhile, St. John's 39% from three. They had three players in double figures, Joel Soriano and Dennis Jenkins. Each had 16. RJ Lewis had 12. He also had a huge rebound at the end of the game. Brady Dunlap goes to the free throw line, misses both. You have a one-point lead, and he misses both free throws, but RJ Lewis grabs an offensive rebound, gets fouls, converted at the stripe, and that's the reason that Rick Pitino's team won. These are two teams that I expect to be in the bubble conversation throughout the year, so for St. John's to pick up a victory here is massive for Pitino, it's massive for the Red Storm, and it's a, a tough lump for Kim English and the Providence Friars to take, especially knowing they're going to go through the rest of their season without their star player in Bryce Hopkins.
But we got a pair of wild results in the ACC. Clemson is doing that thing that we kept saying we're hoping they're not going to do this year. It is happening to the Tigers. We're going to talk about Louisville picking up a huge win. What? That is unprecedented. We're going to cover that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL regular season just wrapped up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The FanDuel app is super easy to use. There are a ton of different ways to bet. You can bet on player props, spreads, over-unders, money lines. They also have live same-game parlays. And you can find bets in the new Explore tab. They also have a way to make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find FanDuel's popular parlays. Illinois is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Michigan State on Thursday night. I'm not sure I'm trusting any top 10 ranked teams this week. If you are with me, might be a good time to toss some money down. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Closing out the show today with a trio of results in the ACC, as well as another upset win over a top 10 team. Lots of fantastic stuff happening on Wednesday night. We got plenty of coverage on it here on Locked On College Basketball. Virginia Tech blows out Clemson 87-72. One of the least interesting results in terms of like the game wasn't very interesting down the stretch, but this is the thing that Clemson does. The last couple of years, Clemson has had really strong non-conference performances. They have earned themselves spots at the top 25. They have gotten buzz as like, hey, this is a team that's going to compete for a top three spot in the ACC. Maybe they'll even win the ACC. They're going to be a decent seed in March. Maybe this is the year they make a run of the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight, et cetera, et cetera. And then every year, like clockwork, the ACC season rolls around in full swing and they start dropping games and dropping games and dropping games. And suddenly they're no longer even in the conversation as a top five team in the ACC. They're no longer in the conversation for a, a, a 500 plus record in the ACC. And unfortunately, as it has happened a handful of times, they're no longer even in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid. And this is the year we thought it would be different. Isaac and I both said it on the show multiple times. This team is this team is too good. PJ Hall's too talented. Joe Girard's such a perfect addition for this team. It's not going to happen to them again. And here we are. They went 11 and 1 to start the season. They are 0 and 3 in their last three games. You can kind of forgive a loss at Miami, although certainly Miami's not doing them any favors with their loss to Louisville. We'll get to that in a second. You can forgive a loss to North Carolina, even at home. It was a hard-fought game. You're like, okay, that's fine. North Carolina looks good this year. They'll probably be a top-five team when the AP poll rolls around next week. But now you got a blowout loss to Virginia Tech. Look, no disrespect to the Hokies, but that's not a team you can lose to. It's not a team you can lose to when you've already lost two consecutive ACC games. It cannot happen. And this Clemson team defensively just didn't get it done. The Hokies shot 54% from three. They out-rebounded Clemson by seven. And the Tigers' stars just didn't show up. P.J. Hall had 11 points on four of 13 shooting. Joe Girard, 12 points on three of nine shooting. Chase, or excuse me, three of 10 shooting. Chase Hunter, nine points on three of 13 shooting. Against Virginia Tech, what's going to happen when they play Duke? What's going to happen when they play the other you know, when they play North Carolina again, when they play Virginia, when they play the other tr prominent teams in the ACC, are they even going to get by teams like Florida State, NC State? 
And then the question becomes the same question we've had to talk about the last couple of years. Is this team even going to make the NCAA tournament? They were one of the five remaining undefeated teams. They were getting votes as a top 10 team in the AP poll. Heck, I think at our highest, we might have had them in the top. I think we had them ninth at our highest in the Locked On College Basketball poll. Now, we're, I think there's a chance that by the time Joe Lenardi's bubble report comes out on Friday, that that's where they're going to be. I think they might be a bubble team already. And again, the overall vacuum of losses, I think, is not terrible. Miami, uh, it's again, it's not great. North Carolina, it's fine. Virginia Tech is bad. But like, it's because this keeps happening to this team because they keep doing it. Your reputation precedes you. And it puts this Clemson team in a dangerous spot, a spot that we didn't think they were going to be just two weeks ago. And now they're already in this conversation. They, of course, have plenty of time to right the ship and win some big games. And maybe they will. And they'll make this conversation, you know, age poorly, which would be great for them. But it's hard to ignore the fact that this has happened before and it looks like it's happening again. Louisville. We got to talk about the Cardinals, Kenny Payne. They go out and get a victory, 80-71 to 71, over Jim Laranega and the Miami Hurricanes. This is the second conference loss in a row for Miami. This one at home. They lost on the road to Wake Forest. Again, that's not a great loss, but that Wake Forest team looks pretty good. Hunter Salas has been fantastic. Boopy Miller is very good. I think that Wake Forest team is sneaky good. But to lose on the road to Wake, eh, okay, fine. But then to lose at home to Louisville, that is inexcusable. Louisville's way outside the top 250 in the net rankings right now. This is a devastating quad four loss for a Miami team that's, again, similar to Clemson. They're not only lost their grip on a top three, four spot in the ACC in a comfortable at-large bid, they're starting to fall further and further. And this is the kind of game that kills your resume. We've talked about the phrase resume killers on this show before. Louisville's a resume killer. It's a bad one. And this is what happens for Miami. The Cardinals scored the final nine points. It was 71-71 with three and a half minutes to go. Miami goes 0-7 from the field after that. Louisville knocks down a bunch of free throws, ends up securing a nine-point victory. Mike James, 26 points on 8 of 12 shooting for Louisville. Really nice game from him. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield had 22 on 9 of 13 as well. Again, Miami's defense was not good in this game. They didn't do anything to stop a Louisville team that hasn't looked good at any point, particularly in the last two years outside of a handful of games. So this is a really tough one for Miami. They're now 11-4 and on the year. They lost at Kentucky. They lost versus Colorado. They lost at Wake Forest. They lost Louisville. Only the last win is a really bad loss, but the wins aren't great either. They beat Clemson. Okay. That's fine, but again, Clemson's not doing themselves any favors. They beat Notre Dame. Eh, they beat Kansas State. Eh, they beat Georgia. Eh, they beat Central Florida. That's it. Those are the only good wins for this team. They're outside the top 60 at Ken Palm. This is a team that's not doing themselves any favors and could be in real trouble when March rolls around if they don't find ways to right the ship very soon. North Carolina blasts NC State, and this is just not a game worth really talking about on, on a day where there were so many upset losses. North Carolina didn't take one. They won by 13. They had a comfortable lead for the majority of the game. The main thing here is North Carolina is probably a top five team. When the AP poll comes out, again, they got to take care of business. They got Syracuse on Saturday. That's not among the tougher games they're going to play in the ACC this year. If they take care of business against the Orange at home, they should be in the top five. That's a spot that they should end up being. They're one of the big winners here. Kentucky's a big winner here, again, assuming they take care of business. Uh, same with Arizona. Those are three teams that should or at least could kind of climb closer to the top five, if not all of them, into the top five of the AP poll this week. A couple other results to kind of speed past here. It's crazy that we're 28 minutes into the episode and a top 10 team losing is just now getting brought up. But Oklahoma 
falls at TCU 80 to 71 final score there again, top 10 team losing on the road. It is just the story of the last couple of days. We've talked about it so much already today and on yesterday's show and the Sooners just, the, the offense just wasn't there. Seven of 25 from deep. They had 14 turnovers. It was a sloppy game on both sides. Both teams shot under 45% from the field. Both teams shot under 30% from three. TCU, for their credit, they almost beat Kansas. A controversial end to that game prevents them p- from picking up a victory over the Jayhawks. They rebound from that and go pick up a victory over another top 10 team in Oklahoma. That's the beauty of the Big 12 is if you don't pick up a win, uh, you don't, you don't, you miss an opportunity to pick up a top 10 win, you just play the, ne- play the next one. <laughs> you got another opportunity coming your way. The Horn Frogs are now 12-3 and three on the year. Uh, they had that loss to Kansas. They have a loss to Clemson. They got a loss to Nevada. That's it. Those are three pretty good teams. Again, Clemson is not helping them anymore right now, but that's a, that's a pretty good resume for the TCU Horned Frogs. They should get some top 25 buzz this week. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, 13-2, and two, still in decent shape. Not super concerned about this. Their win over Iowa State is aging well, as Iowa State, of course, picked up that win over Houston. I think this is, Oklahoma's going to drop. They'll probably drop a little bit, but this is still a quality team and, and a close game where both teams played pretty sloppy. Not something I'd be super concerned about for the Sooners. Uh, Memphis escaped what would have been a horrible loss to UT San Antonio, 285th in the net, and Memphis was at home. They almost lost to a team that is 250 spots away from bringing a quad one game. Uh, Fortunately, they were able to escape 107 to 101 in overtime. Javon Quinterly, monster game from him at a four-point play early in overtime that helped secure a victory for the Tigers uh, and prevented them from being in a spot where they would have been a much bigger focal point of this episode. Uh, Speaking of Wisconsin, similar situation. We thought we might be leading with them or at least talking more about them, uh, but they ended up pulling out a victory over Ohio State. We're down for big chunks of the game, but nice second half from the Badgers. They are 12-3 and on the season. They started 1-2. and They had losses to Tennessee and at Providence have been 11-1 and since then, Wisconsin's a sneaky team under the radar. 11 and 1 since that start, and their only loss was at Arizona. They, none of their wins have aged as well as they were hoping. Marquette it being a, a big part of that. Virginia, same situation. They have wins over SMU, Michigan State, Iowa, and Nebraska. Again, a lot of their wins just haven't aged that well as those teams have struggled, but hard not to like what Wisconsin is putting together this season. We're fortunate that we were able to spend this entire episode reviewing last night's games because there's not a lot of games to talk about on Thursday. Only three ranked teams in action. FAU at Tulane, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Uh, Michigan State at Illinois. Uh, that's a big one for the Illini. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. And then Gonzaga heads to Santa Clara, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Those are your ranked games on Thursday night. We'll be back for an episode on Friday, recapping those games, previewing a big weekend of college basketball, and continuing to break down the absolute madness that has been the last couple of days in college hoops. Thanks again to those of you who are making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. A special shout out to those everyday listeners and a reminder to join us on our Discord channel if you have not done so yet. There is a link in the show notes. Thanks again, and until Friday, as always, peace out.